Warning, All Things Crime is a true crime production that may contain violent or disturbing material. Viewer or listener discretion is advised. I mean, you know, no one's perfect, nothing is perfect. That's what makes me have confidence. Now, of course, after our file, then it goes to the next steps. And there's, you know, there's a process. And I know people don't understand the, well, this was, it looks awful, but it was still lawful thing. But I, you know, there's, there's not going to really be, I don't know many situations where everyone in the chain is corrupt. So you've got the local agency, the investigating agency, the prosecutor, the judge, the, you know, that's what, that's what we say. So every single person in the process is corrupt. And it's just like, I mean, you know, I just say, let's, I know that we have our experiences. Um, I think it's important to also kind of look at data too, while we're doing this. And, um, you know, there are a lot of different things, a lot of undertones with, um, you know, the, the, the race thing, which I know, you know, we don't like to really kind of talk too much about that, but um, we have, we just have a lot to work through. <laughs> I guess, and uh, it's a big job that doesn't look like I'm gonna be done before I retire. It looks like there's gonna be some more work <laughs> to do. Thankfully, in my state, I've already established good relationships with our media before crises happens. And so I'm um, right now doing like virtual chats with them, like different, Georgia has 11 um, media markets. And so I'll say Atlanta, you know, hey, what's going on? Let's check in Columbus. Pr prior to COVID, I'd have the media come to the GBI. Here, meet the director, meet our command staff. Here's our bomb unit. Here's our crime scene, um, crime scene unit. And that way we can have these relationships that way. when there's maybe like a little bit of a delay because folks are working. They're not, you know, they're not, they're, be, they're as patient as the media can be. So I don't too much worry about the media sort of betraying me and, you know, putting stuff out and, 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 and spinning a story out of control as, as much as I do social media. Yeah, that's, uh, boy, I, I hope more PIOs, you know, directors of communication out there are listening to this and learning from you. And, and I would hope that you would also even offer training because how did you learn to do this? I, I guess that's a great question to ask because what you're, what you're describing to me is, is the perfect, you, you know, there's a, there's a fine line between putting out enough information and putting out too much information because you can't, it, I, and I think a lot of people, they don't fully understand and the investigative process takes time. You know, you can't, it, this isn't CSI. This isn't uh, Hollywood. We can't solve this crime in 43 minutes. A lot of the investigators haven't even arrived on scene yet. Yep. And so, you know, they, they don't know the answers yet. And so it's, it's not like you guys aren't trying to inform the public on what's going on. It's just, you can't put out false information. Right. And you can't put out information you don't know yet. And so I, I think that vacuum that is created, especially with social media, is one of those things. It's, uh, you know, the immediate information that you have at your fingertips on your cell phone is incredible. You can learn about anything anywhere in the world. But at the same time, yeah, the, the amount of false information that could be out there, and Lord forbid, there's a video of it, you know, then it's then it's really bad. <laughs> it's, 
Yeah, those viral videos are, I mean, they're so tough because you see a snippet of something and don't get me wrong, there are plenty of things that you see. I mean, you know, they don't look good and, you know, in the end they, it or turns out, but, you know, oftentimes you see a snippet of something and it's just not, I mean, it's not representative of what's going on. It just, it just- Well, there's no context. Absolutely, there's absolutely, there's no context to it. It, it just doesn't tell- um, the full story. And I know that it's really difficult for people to believe. And I know even if I wasn't in this role, I'm sure I'd just be that one too. You see something on TV and, and you just kind of go with it, but that it's just doesn't, it's just not the full story. And there's just so much more to it. And there's so many layers. And I know people are, they just, they can't be patient and they want answers right away. But I think that it's just really important. I mean, even for like local law enforcement agencies, I mean, I'm working for a state agency, but it really starts with the local law enforcement agencies because, you know, with all due respect to the states and the feds, local law enforcement agency, and I remember my previous director would always say this, they have more authority than state or the feds. And, and that's just the reality of it. And so, you know, they're the ones we, we count on sort of most to work with their communities, to allow them, educate them on, on the work that we do, um, engage with them, all those sort of things that, you know, we really, really, try to do in person beforehand and having to work around during COVID, but there are over 18,000 law enforcement agencies in the, in the nation. And so, I mean, 18,000 agencies doing things not exactly the same. And so and that's just that's how we're, we're constructed. And um, I, you know, still believe it's the best country to live in, um, you know, absolutely, no matter all the things that I know we see on TV. But, you know, you asked the question about, you know, learning and, this is one of those things that you certainly day one don't have it all figured out. And I think about when I started in this on this side, you know, six years ago, I'm just like, I cannot believe I did that. <laughs> like, that's just, I mean, I, did, I didn't know. And then also, I guess in my defense, things change a lot in this area. I thought working in the sciences and, you know, keeping up with the, you know, the, the trends and technology and, you know, what's accepted in the scientific community. I mean, I thought that you know, things changed in that area, but I'm just like, whoa, I mean, things really change a lot, you know, on this side. And it's extremely important that you don't sit out there on a silo, an island by yourself. Like you have got to be plugged into some type of network. You have got to have not training just like one time when you start, but ongoing training to keep up with all of these trends and what's happening on social media. Um, you know, I personally am um, probably most I'm active in a group called the Inter International Association of Chiefs of Police. Um, we have a PIO section and I'm the vice chair of the Southeast region. And so that is what you said is exactly what we try to do is try to make sure we get the network together, um, offer training opportunities and, you know, sometimes just check in. I mean, the summer of 2020, really all of 2020, I think we all just needed that. Like, you know, that kind of feeling and knowledge that you're not by yourself doing this because it can, um, it can be a very, you know, taxing position to sit on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, and watch people yell at you and read those comments and try to kind of navigate what's legitimate, what needs, you know, a real response, what you need to ignore, what needs to be hidden because they're, you know, using profanity and trying to work around it. And so you got to be part of a network and, you know, some people probably get into it and don't get any type of training. Um, that is definitely not the way. And you can certainly see it in the communication that goes out, the press conferences. It's just like, oh my goodness. But what happens is 
that one bad interview or that one bad press statement, guess what? It now represents every single police officer. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know another profession where, you know, one person, and I get it, I completely get it. You know, you've got bad apples everywhere, but it's like that one, next thing you know, it's everyone. It's not localized. It's every single police officer is like this. You know, I, I, I honestly I don't, don't like it. Nellie, I, mm-hmm. I don't know any other profession, any other profession where if one bad apple is discovered, the entire law enforcement community is completely held to account. And I don't either. I, I can't uh, think of any. I've tried to think of one. I have not been yeah, able to come up with one. It's like I've had I've been really fortunate with all things crime that I've been able to interview Dion Joseph. I know he's been in the news a lot mm-hmm. uh, with this LeBron James thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zeke Arkham, who's out of New York, uh, he, he came on the show and fantastic guy. And I, I, I would love to connect all of you guys too, because I, I think a lot of your message is the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most importantly, it's so unfair. You know, if a doctor does a, a really poor surgery, the entire medical profession isn't ostracized and, and villain villainized right. because of that one mistake. But with law enforcement, oh, it's just incredible. I mean, everybody is held to account for one person's sin. And that's it, just not right. And yeah. That, yeah, another reason why I actually started this is because I want people to understand the entire process. But cops are humans, too. I got I got neighbors that are cops and they're great people. I mean, I would hang out with them all the time. You know, I see them out mowing their lawn and, you know, they're just like the rest of us. And every single time they put on the uniform, their number one goal is to get back to their family at the end of their shift. And that's, and well, I think Zeke also said, when you are putting somebody uh, under arrest, you're taking them into custody and they don't want to be into custody. It is never pretty, you know, but that's, that's the narrative that you have to, counter because you know there there's no good way to do that and people that i don't know people just don't understand it it's like what do you what what is this officer supposed to do if the guys are resisting arrest what is the officer supposed to do i'm mike morford and i've been researching the zodiac case for years zodiac just the name it sounds sinister it inspires fear the fact that a serial killer would give himself this moniker is disturbing He would go on to taunt police by sending letters and codes to newspapers for years. And the attacks, they were something else altogether. If you were a young couple in a secluded area, you could easily be a target. And it wasn't just shootings on dark lovers' lanes. Zodiac would even attack with a knife in broad daylight while wearing an executioner-style hood. After a while, Zodiac changed tactics, and even lone cab drivers weren't safe. The Zodiac Killer terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area and then vanished, but he left a lot of clues behind along the way. Clues that we're going to examine closely on the new podcast, Zodiac Speaking. New episodes of Zodiac Speaking come out every other Saturday starting March 13, 2021. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. You know, you can't just let him go. You know, Yeah, and it's, it, it's not easy, and we just try to literally state the facts of what happens. And I know a lot of people don't trust in the process and all of that. And I think I can't, you know, I can't speak for the nation, even though I know one officer apparently represents the whole profession. Honestly, I can really speak from my own experience. And I know that I am communicating with 
our agents that are they're investigating these cases. Last year, it was almost 100 officer-involved shootings in Georgia that we that the GBI investigated. Um, we're on that same track this year, and I am. I mean, I am in all of those cases, getting the information of what can be put out. And, you know, most of those cases, obviously the majority of the cases, um, police are usually they're called as a 911 call. They're responding to something based upon that call and they get to the scene. They're engaged in a gun battle and the officer prevails. That's that's a lot of the cases. I mean, some of them may start at a traffic stop. It may be a domestic. It may be, I mean, we have a few suicide by cops. We have a, a lot of those. The times where we had a case where I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. This one's not, it's not looking too great. I'm telling you, Jared, I like to every single time the, the result was, unfortunately, we had either, we had a, arrest an officer and that's happened. And there's, there's not one case that I can say, at least for the part that we played, you know, in, in the criminal, in the, in the investigative process that I'm like, that really should have gone another way. I think based on these facts that were presented. So that's why I think I can have, I mean, you know, no one's perfect. Nothing is perfect, but that's what makes me have confidence. Now, of course, after our file, then it goes through the next steps and there's, you know, there's a process and I know people don't understand the well, this was, it looks awful, but it was still lawful thing. But I, you know, there's, there's not going to really be, I, I don't know many situations where everyone in the chain is corrupt. So you've got the local agency, the investigating agency, the prosecutor, the judge, the, you know, that's what, that's what we say. So every single person in the process is corrupt. And it's just like, I mean, you know, I just say, yeah. let's, I know that we have our experiences um, I think it's important to also kind of look at data too while we're doing this. And, um, you know, there are a lot of different things, a lot of undertones with, um, you know, the, the, the race thing, which I know, you know, we don't like to really kind of talk too much about that, but um, we have, we just have a lot to work through, I guess. And uh, it's a big job that it doesn't look like I'm going to be done before I retire. <laughs> it looks like there's going to be some more work <laughs> to do. Yeah, that's, uh, there's so many factors that go into it, but I think, again, based on my experience with working with law enforcement, working with crime labs, and getting to know more and more folks like you, I think the number one message that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, in my opinion, the number one thing is saying, look, we are in a now-now world, but an investigative process has to, has to go through the entire process. You can't just jump to conclusions. Because most often those conclusions are wrong and you're not helping anybody by speculating, by jumping to conclusions, by not giving context, you know, all of that has to come into play because the last thing we want is to go down one direction thinking that we have all the facts and then facts come out that totally dispute that story and you have to go a different direction. That's yep. a nightmare. I mean, it, issuing it, corrections. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, those are not fun. Well, fun especially somebody in your position where yeah, you actually that, represent oh. the entire GBI. Uh, you know, it's what a exactly. nightmare if you actually put out false information. You can't it, do it, that. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes we put out information based on, you know, based on what we had. We had a case. Oh, my goodness. I, since it's still open, I won't, you know, I won't disclose all details, but 
we put out information based on you know, preliminary interviews that was done, reviewing of the body cam, but the body cam fell off during the incident. Hmm. And the, there was people, there were people in the parking lot, so there was cell phone video that started to circulate on social media. Oh my goodness. And, you know, of course our story had already gone out and though it wasn't false, it was based upon what we had. That was a time where we had to immediately say, okay, now we've got the cell phone video because lots of times people don't, they don't turn that into the police. Oh no, I'm not going to give it to the police. So we don't have it. So we're going based on what we have. And so the additional video came in, there was additional surveillance video and we updated the story right away. Hey, we have new information, here it is. We went, I remember it was a Saturday, went and I called the director, I said, I think we need to go in and try to explain this in person. Um, we did a press conference at GBI headquarters and you know, no one even looked at us and said, why, why did you mislead us? They didn't, that wasn't even, that wasn't even the thing. They were you know, focused on the case. So a real struggle to try to keep up with it, but People know that they don't want to have patience, but you just got to really got to give law enforcement a chance to, to, to work the case. And that's really it. I mean, there are a lot of cases I've seen recently where, you know, we put some information out and, you know, sometimes the family, they just, you know, they don't believe it. And um, oftentimes they may not have the, the luxury of having, say, body cam video like they're not investigators, so they don't have all the evidence in front of them. And they'll go and they'll hold press conference. And I've seen it very recently, literally just kind of make stuff up. My loved one did not have this weapon or whatever the case, you know, whatever the case may be. Then later on, then they're, they're you know, they have an opportunity to get more information and, and see some you know, visual evidence. And then it's like, you're having a kind of backtrack and then the story becomes something different. But, you know, oftentimes people have already seen that and they've made up their minds. And I've seen stories where that's happened over the years. And, you know, we show them the evidence and, and we, we let them know. I mean, we probably release more information in an officer involved shooting, obviously, than we would in any other type of case. I know that it makes prosecutors just cringe, but, you know, it's just one of those things where, People are so interested in what's happening outside of just the family, but we want to make sure that people on social media, the public, you know, constituents, that they know like, this is this is the update. This is what's going on. This is what we found. And I'm telling you, when you do that, all those questions, all those stories, it, they really will settle down. But you got to catch it. You got to catch. It's like it's more art than science. I've heard that said so many, <laughs> so many times. And uh, now I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I can see, I can see this because it, there's not one specific equation and it's not one, hey, if you follow this set of rules, step one through eight, don't skip, you know, step four, it's going to happen this way every single time. But there are some basic principles that, that work that you, you really should work on following. But I tell you, it is a constant, it's a constant uh, struggle to balance it all. Well, in that, in that sense, it's got to be fun in some ways, right? It, it, it at least a challenge. It, it, it is. And that's, I don't know if people think I'm half crazy because yeah, I can't, I, you know, I can't like pull myself away because it's a lot of interesting work that gets done. And as a representing the agency, I'm not just dealing with the investigative division. Now I spend most of my time with the investigative division. I, I do, 
but I'm also keeping up with what's happening in the crime lab. And that's really interesting to me for the obvious reasons. We have um, what's called the Georgia Crime Information Centers, our you know, criminal justice information highway. And then you can't forget, I'm also a legislative liaison. So I'm under the gold dome every day during session. And I'm having, you know, the relationships that I would build, say, with the media, the public. Now I'm having to build these relationships with our senators, our state representatives, um, other lobbyists to try to get bills through, <laughs> you know, GBI legislation wow. through. And it's so it's just I'm just like I really this was kind of my dream job. One of those, hey, right before I retire. So I was really, really, I mean, amazed, grateful and all of that to be able to jump into it at this point. But every five minutes, it's something different. And, and I'm just oh, like, yeah. you know, you it's really a busy it's girl. interesting. It's interesting. You are a busy, busy girl. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime Day.